from the game gurus at Snakes and Lattes. You're listening to the Snakes Cast, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Welcome back to the Snakes Cast, everyone. I'm Jonathan Moriarty. Joining me this week are my fellow game guru, Steve Tassie. Hello there. And Scott Moyle. Good evening, friends. We are going to talk about some serious intellectual game design issue stuff this week, but not in a you know, complicated, intimidating sort of way. We're going to talk about something called Runaway Leaders, sometimes referred to as Rich Get Richer or Cascade Effect. This happens in a game when one player starts succeeding, starts doing well, and this causes them to succeed more and more, which makes it harder and harder for others to catch up. This is not just a matter of one player getting ahead in a foot race or something. It's more like, imagine if there's a race that's a 10k race, and first person to reach the 500 meter point gets a special you go faster thing. And then the first person to get to 1k gets a you go faster thing, and so on. So they just get faster and faster, and it it's impossible to catch up, and it means that it's not actually a 10k race, it's a 500 meter race. If you get in the lead, it's designed to be difficult for anybody to catch up. So, there are games where this can happen as well, I'm sure you guys have all seen it, that unfairness coming up. Gurus, how big a problem is this? Do you care about runaway leaders in games? I do. Uh, I'm not convinced that the vast majority of our customers care. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, serious runaway leader syndrome is one of the biggest turnoffs for me. Uh, one of the things that will almost ensure I don't take that game out again. It's kind of like a player in elimination in some ways. Yeah, well, it's... it's it eliminates everybody but the leader <laughs> sometimes in, in, in a bad uh, case of it. And fairly early on. Well, and it's also boring, right? The reason, the reason I'm going to play a game about a given setting or a given narrative or whatever rather than watching a movie about that theme or narrative or whatever is because I want to go into a version of it where I don't know what's going to happen. In fact, where anything could happen. Well, with Runaway Leader, you very quickly start to see what the end of the game is. Spoilers. And yeah, then it's just watching people do the thing that you know is coming. That's not exciting. So it takes, yeah, the, the, the excitement in a game, obviously, a big part of it comes from the uncertainty, and Runaway Leader takes that away. Um, here's a question. You, you mentioned, Steve, that it's not so much of a problem for some people. Is, uh, is Runaway Leader actually fun for some players? Who, what kind of person enjoys a game where one person gets out into the lead and that's basically a game? Uh, I think the person who becomes that leader. Uh, I, I cannot imagine uh, a person who enjoys not being the leader in a runaway leader game. Maybe the same sort of person who likes to be tied up and spanked and that sort of thing. Uh, you know, they, they might have memories of a time when they played this and they got out in front of the lead and then they forced everybody else to trail behind for the right. entire game and they're hoping, they're hoping that this time they'll be able to do it again. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think anyone actually enjoys the process of not being the leader in one of these games. <laughs> but uh, do you suppose that's part of the point sometimes, though? I mean, maybe you want to make somebody suffer, and so you, uh, you you play this sort of thing, you get into the lead, and you spend the rest of the game pointing and laughing at them? Maybe. Uh, I, pers I like to make people suffer in games, but I also like them to have the ability and opportunity to get theirs back hmm. uh, at me in return. That's part of the challenge of the game is is that give and take, um, but that give and take is taken away in a runaway leader situation. It kind of cheapens gloating over a lead if you're at no risk of not having that lead going forward. <laughs> yeah. You know, you can't taunt them if they have no hope. Yeah, it sort of reminds me of a political thing. There, there are some, sometimes this can get actually politically charged when you go to a site like BoardGameGeek.com and people are talking about this, and people refer to it as the rich get richer. 
and that's their description for it. Uh, you know, sometimes uh, there, there's this idea in politics that somebody, uh, some who's poor, will be in, against taxing rich people because someday they might win the lottery, and then they're, 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 they don't have to pay taxes after they win the lottery. And similarly, I think that might be kind of the appeal for folks who like games that have the sense stuff like Monopoly, for example, where when you build up, once, once you've got some properties, you get rich faster and the other players get poor faster. You know, I've never seen or been involved in a game of Monopoly that didn't end with all of the players who weren't in the league <laughs> going, okay, I'm just, can I please just land on your space so you can take all your money so I can go get another beer? <laughs> Seriously, the most enthusiastic Monopoly players will still, if they're not the leader by the end of the game, be the person trying to crash the game to get out of it. <laughs> and why shouldn't they? I mean, the fun part's over by that point. Sure. Fun parts over by the time you open the box. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so let's assume that this actually is a problem. This is something that you need to solve in games. There are a few ways to deal with this. Uh, one, of the, uh, one of the most obvious ways is rubber banding. Anybody who's ever played Mario Kart on, uh, on their Nintendo will know about this. The idea is somebody gets into the lead and magically they're now slower than everybody else, which keeps the race close. People behind them get better items and stuff. Yeah, the power-ups show up behind them. Oh, I thought this was just you flicked rubber bands at the guy who was winning. <laughs> which would be a great mechanic for a Mario Kart board game. We're actually, which I would totally play. <laughs> we're actually going to be talking about ways of flicking things at leaders as, a, as, as another possible way of dealing with this, but for now, the rubber banding thing. Uh, like, so let's see, power Grid does this. Power Grid's a big, complicated European-style game where you're an energy company. You're trying to squeeze as much money as possible out of the people. And right. Player Ultimate. sequence versus reverse player sequence seems well, to be the solution. And okay. the fact that your profits decelerate. They sort of bell curve. Like, they level off. There's basically. a point of diminishing returns. Yeah. So that uh, getting ahead is good up to a point. But also, if you've got the big, unwieldy company, it means you're the last to buy stuff, to buy fuel, which means that other people can jack up the price. And you're the first to bid on properties, which means the other players can wait and see what you're going to do. So, mm -hmm. um, There's also Yinch yep. that does this. It's an abstract game with uh, black and white rings and pieces. And when you make your five in a row, you lose one of your rings for the rest of the game. Um, any others that, uh, that do the, the rubber banding thing? Uh, CIA versus KGB. I just learned this today. It's a great little compact two-player game. All the artwork is photography from the Cold War. Neat. Uh, yeah, there's a card where Jane Fonda calls you up and helps. <laughs> a very small one. It's a picture of her mugshot with the fist raised. It's great. Um, but it sets it up so that whoever is trailing on points uh, gets to gets to call a little bit of the... the sh uh, in a small way, it gets to call the shots on the next round, in just okay. in terms of the timing. So it helps to keep it close. Yep. So another way is what's called bash the leader. Uh, any game where you get to interact with the other players a lot allows the, uh, the, the rest of the table who are losing to gang up on the person who is winning. Right. So we Nobody see this, trade with Steve, he has a city. Hello, Settlers of Catan. Risk also yep. has this element. Don't attack me, I'm not the threat. Attack Scott. You know, Munchkin has this as well, and in, in the case of Munchkin, and in some other cases as well, Bash the Leader can become a serious problem, because there are cards you can play to stop somebody from winning, but there are a lot of those cards. And pretty soon it gets to the point where everybody's on the verge of winning, and it's just waiting and waiting and waiting for a confluence of factors to come along where somebody actually can't be stopped this time. Ramsey Bucket Syndrome. Munchkin is another example of a game where the fun is pretty much over by the time you've opened the box, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Matter of personal taste, Munchkin has a lot of fans. I'm not one of them, but 
I, I get it though. I mean, uh, did you say runts in a bucket? Rats in a bucket. Rats in a bucket. Like the candy runts in a bucket. <laughs> I would love a bucket of runts. <laughs> that is how I'm getting paid for these podcasts. Going I demand it. We'll have to make sure you put that in the budget. Yeah. But uh, rats in a bucket. Where does that come from? Well, imagine a bucket full of rats, and every rat do wants to, to get out. Yes, you do. Uh, <laughs> right now, every every rat wants to get out. The inside of the bucket, the inside surface of the bucket, is a smooth surface. What are the rats doing? They're climbing rats. Right. They're not climbing. They're not doing handstands and helping right. each other. They are not others. working together. They are not <laughs> rocking the bucket to tip it over. They are climbing other rats. And pulling down on the rats who are up above them. I'm never going to be able to not think of that image when I see people playing Munchkin now. <laughs> now I know what I'm getting you for your birthday. <laughs> So another way to do this, and this is a sort of a, a more avant-garde game design-y kind of way to do it, uh, that's getting ahead doesn't keep you ahead. The stuff that wins you the game doesn't necessarily help you to do stuff in the game. So like Dominion, for example. This is a card game where you have to win, you have to buy these victory point cards. The problem is these victory point cards are useless and they're expensive. So the more resources you spend on buying these victory point cards, the less money and actions you're getting. But if you don't buy them eventually, there's no way you're going to win. Uh, lots of Euro games do this as well. Um, Trains sort of does it with the, yeah. the waste mechanic, where you're buying stuff that is good for you, but by doing so, you're also forced to accept waste cards into your deck, and that slows you down. It becomes part of the strategy, too. I really liked in uh, Lords of Waterdeep, which if a lot of plot quests can come up, it can get a little runaway leader. Look, I turned all these victory points over, and the victory points make me better at getting stuff. Oh, usually usually the plot quests don't are worth that many points, though. That's the thing. It's like short-term pain for long-term gain. But every now and then, you can make such an engine with them that things yeah. do get out of control. In the expansion, Scoundrels of Skullport, they, they let people break the rules at a terrible, terrible cost. Corruption. Corruption. What, and if you get too deep in that corruption hole, when there's by the time there's no more corruption on the corruption track, every time you have to take corruption, your score just gets gutted permanently. I lost 69 points. <laughs> Much to my delight. That is not a small number. Nope. That is a big number. Yeah. So that was a really interesting, it, because it's an expansion, it felt like they went back and fixed something. That's interesting. That's uh, okay. So you can fix games sometimes, like like uh, Skullport does that for Waterdeep. It becomes uh, you know, a better game. Yeah, I'm not playing my Waterdeep without Skullport anymore because of the runaway leader thing. Mm -hmm. So some, let's take a look at some other games that we mentioned. A few that have this. We mentioned Munchkin. We mentioned Monopoly. Um, are there any other games that you perhaps don't hate quite as much as those two that can be vulnerable to the runaway leader issue? Well, Settlers is a great example. Uh, it's, it's difficult to get people to play Settlers because there's so much else that we have access to, and in some ways Settlers has been superseded, but I still love it. I still really enjoy it. Um, and that, or that, or that uh, beginning placement in Settlers, where you f put your first two settlements, I mean, sometimes that starts a runaway leader right there. If you get really good positioning or if somebody else blocks you right in, Absolutely. You have nowhere to build from. But the game fixes that in its own way right off the bat with the way you're the order in which you're supposed to select your... Uh, yeah, the serpentine thing. Yeah. Where player one goes, then First two, then three, then four, then four again, then three, choice. then two, then one. It, it, it does help a bit, but despite this, I have seen a number of players who are perhaps not quite as experienced at Catanathon mm. uh, veterans like Steve, <laughs> um, who, who, who might make a mistake that effectively puts them out of the game before they've had a turn. I am not shy about if there's someone at the table who hasn't played Catan before, 
everybody plays with that default starting setup they give you in the rules. Me too. There's still an interesting game there. It's still a satisfying board to play on. When I bring that to the table every time. If there's new players, I do not let them do the setup. I do it for them. Yep. But uh, so are there any other games that have this problem that you can fix that way? Because Skullport is really dramatic that way. And how, it, uh, and how it does that. I mean, can you imagine a fixed version of Monopoly or a fixed version of Munchkin where that wouldn't be such an issue? Can you do that without, without losing the appeal of those games? A fixed version of Monopoly would be I'm the boss. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Or for sale. Yeah, I mean, it depends what aspect of Monopoly Okay, okay, range. not a completely different game. <laughs> I'm talking about something like an expansion set like Scoundrels of Skullport that fixes Lords of Waterdeep kind of thing. Well, it's interesting. Monopoly and Risk are two interesting games to bring up in that context because Monopoly and Risk both have a bajillion-themed versions, right? Every Monopoly is essentially the same thing with a reskin, right? There's one that has 15 Red Rangers and another one that's Adventure Time. <laughs> or John Deere tractors or right, something. Right, but mechanically I do believe they're identical. They are, except for, except Where, for uh, Bibleopoly. That one's actually different. Okay, well, fair enough, but broadly speaking. Yeah. Uh, whereas different risks actually different games. do fix the games in different ways. Uh, Risk 2210 AD is a game I will play any day, and it fixes the Runaway Leader in, uh, in a few different ways. I mean, I can be dominating the the ground areas. I can have Australia and be doing that turtling Australia thing. Well, if you make a small investment to go to space, you can really wreck my day. Or underwater and take those new routes into that yeah, Australia. Yeah, backdoor Australia and just flip the table. Or just invest in the nuclear commander and become that loose cannon <laughs> that can wreck everybody's day. Or if you play something like uh, Risk Revised, the revised edition with those missions, and most of the, the newer ones, like the StarCraft version and the Metal Gear Solid version, are built on that chassis, uh, where it's not about taking over the entire world. There's missions. There's public missions that are on the board. Everybody can see them, and they're different each time you play. So like take over Europe, or control 20 territories, or take win eight battles in one turn. Or like eliminate that. one player. Exactly. And when you accomplish that, you get that thing, which also gives you a reward, so you can see who's winning. You know, three points gives you the game, three of those goals. And when you knock somebody out, you take all the goals that they've got, which usually means knocking somebody else out means you win. Right, because you eat all their victory points. That's great. So uh, that, that, that actually works really well in that respect, especially because of the fact that Bash the Leader is something that can't go on forever. There's only so many goals out there, and as soon as somebody accumulates three, bam, that's game. Whoever's doing that stuff to risk should call up the nice folks at Monopoly and see if they can help them. <laughs> Hear that, Hasbro? <laughs> All right, thanks everybody for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this uh, very, very highbrow discussion of a deep <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and challenging game mechanic in Runaway Leaders. Until next time, I'm Jonathan Moriarty with Steve Tassie and Scott Moyle. Game on. Game on. Don't trade with Steve. Thanks for listening. Snakes and Lattes offers a unique service for your next party. Snakes on the Go Board Game Catering. Your own personal game guru and an assortment of our hottest games right in your living room or boardroom. Birthdays, anniversaries, corporate team building, everything is more fun with board games. Visit snakesandlattes.com SOTG for more details or to book your event today. Until next time, I'm P.T. Douglas. Game on.